and welcome back to another episode of I'm Not Gonna Be Quiet. My name's Danika and I'm your host. If you have been with me since the beginning or if you're a first time listener, I want you to know that this is a space where folks step into the circle of community to share the path that they've traveled to find liberation after periods of staying silent about their experienced pain and harm. In each interview, we get a chance to hear and learn from our guest what they refuse to be quiet about, what their silence cost them, and the price they paid for their freedom. I'm here, you're here, community has been established, so let's get free together. Y'all, I'm super uber excited about today's guest. Um, I think most of you know I'm pretty new to TikTok and the social medias. I've only started it with this podcast, but the algorithm was algorithming one day when I stumbled upon Diva Moore. She, one, is gorgeous, so easy on the eyes, easy to just like be like, oh, let's see what she's talking about. But when I tell you what came out of her mouth attached to her brain and her heart, it was revolutionary, I feel. And that, I don't feel like that's hyperbole. I felt like what she was saying was what needed to be heard by myself and so many people. But before I get into that, let me just tell you a little bit about her. She is, amongst all things, she is an author, she is an advocate, she is a coach, she is the CEO of Living with Divitude at Diva More Unlimited. She's changing people's lives while she's healing her own. I'm gonna let her introduce herself and welcome. Her pronouns are she and her. Welcome, Diva. That's it is name. so great to be here this morning. I am Diva Moore. I have a master's in organizational uh, development and human relations. I am a uh, certified master life coach, an author, a speaker, and get this, an auntie. And in the black community, and auntie is a highly, highly honored, uh, nicely, but firmly in a way that your mama probably couldn't, but you're going to look at me and say, auntie, you know, I'm, I'm right. And I'm very proud to have reached that stage of my life right now. Um, yeah, that's, that's who I am. I do podcasts. I, I coach, um, people because not everyone needs therapy. Some people just need to be guided into the right direction. And I'm just living my best, best life right now. I love all of that. Um, I want people to know that you have this amazing book called Get Off Your Ass, Get On Your Feet. Um, please let us know where we can find you. 
my book is a lot is a really 100 page love letter to say not only can you do it you must do it and here are seven different ways for you to get started you can find that under that title on amazon.com so you can find me on social media by doing at grad school grandma because let me tell you something this chick went back to school at 50 years 50 years old got her bachelor's and her master's hey, out hey, here hey. doing that thing that they don't like us to do which is mm. succeed mm-hmm. Ashe, say okay. it say it i want to just kind of set the stage for how i connected with you when i saw your video talking about your son I saw two videos and it was almost like back to back because I saw one and I was like, yo, let me get on her page. Let me see what she's talking about. And in the one video, you're talking about your son being no contact. And this was kind of like new. And now that I've just in the last like month or so, I'm like seeing all these videos about these no contact relationships. And I was like, oh, that was new for me. Um, but then I saw your video where you were talking about there's a reason for it. And I thought that how you were talking about your journey that led to the where you and your son were at that point was so um, honest and transparent. And, um, and you could see that, right? You can see that, you could hear that easily. And I thought there was such a interesting nuanced space that you were talking from of like ownership, acceptance and welcoming in right when you're ready and i thought that right there is the epitome of healing in my eyes right when harm's been done and it's been acknowledged and repair has been offered but not welcomed you just sit on pause in 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 love and expectancy and joy and i thought that was so beautiful that was so beautiful and then later in the video and another video we see there is now contact so yeah. anyways, I want to digress that that's where I found you. And I was like, I need to talk to this sister. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you for oh. being so transparent and honest. It, it has been a highlight of, believe it or not, my professional career, but also of my personal life, because that video, that TikTok opened up a whole new avenue to me and I had already been doing mindset coaching for about six years. What's what started that journey for me though, was again, TikTok. And um, I was just starting to post, had not really found a platform. I'm throwing out a lot of mindset stuff and just, you know, I wasn't silly because I'm in my, like I said, in my middle fifties, but I didn't really have, you know, it takes a while to figure, figure out a new platform but I'm watching a lot of videos. And like you, last summer, I saw a video of a woman of color, a sister, where she was crying because, I mean, literally crying too, and I, because her children would not talk to her. They had gone what's called no contact, which is basically for those of you who don't know, which is uh, in this context, children adult children get to a certain point in their life where they stop talking to their parents because of things that happened in their childhood and mostly what i was seeing on tiktok 
was people saying, I don't, I don't understand. I did the best I could. I, you know, life was tough in the seventies and eighties and I was divorced and I was a single parent and I was this and I was that. And I, my kids can, can just, they're just heartless and, and ungrateful and, you know, all these negative connotations. And the more I watch these videos, now for the non-melanated folks, you know, my first husband was non-melanated and I know their families work different culturally. So I didn't pay those people any attention. But when my sisters was coming with this, I, and I had had this conversation in person with so many people and the conversation would go like this, Diva, I, you know, your kids adore you, child. Your adult kids be all over you. And you, oh, you're just so blessed to have such a great relationship. And I heard it one too many times. And literally, I was out to lunch with someone who's struggling with her 28-year-old daughter and communicating with her. And the first thing she said when I sat down to brunch was, well, Diva can come and tell us all about it because her and her kids are like lovey-dovey. And I mean, she was really incensed by that. And I sat there at that table. And if you know anything about Diva, Diva stands for Divine Inspiration Victorious Attitude. Come on now. I fear no man. I ain't real tight on women. And I'm not a humble person. I'm going to do me. I'm very self-aware. I've done the work on myself. I continue to do the work. And <clears throat> I'm, I'm going to speak my truth basically everywhere that I'm not hurting someone. Mm-hmm. And I look, at, I look at girl and I say, do you really think? Have you met me? Do you really think? My, all my kids are in their 30s. I got one approaching 40. And you really, really, really think that my kids have never had a problem with me. Honey, Matthew's not talking to me right now. Hadn't talked to me in a year. And you could have seen her. Oh, 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 and you're handling that so well. I said, well, you know, he'll come around eventually. She said, don't you call him? No, why would I call him? So let's get to the video. That conversation left me speechless that melanated, educated, parents were still using these traditional models of parenting Mm. and not understanding why their kids was like (laughs) you grow up a little bit mama and then I'll come back and talk to you so I decided I'm gonna go home and make this video if you watch the video it is pinned to the top of my um, profile page And I start off, I tell the story of I'm at lunch and the lady tells me you have such a great relationship with the kids. But see, when my son went no contact and told me, I think that's important that he told me why he was, you know, I can't be bothered, okay? I can't be bothered with you, mom. Which in retrospect is a strong thing for a black man to do. Okay, so let's talk this, let's get some commotion for my parenting skills, but, um. He once he told me, and and I, I don't want your listeners to think I wasn't upset. My oldest son, my duty, my baby boy, he said, I, I can't be bothered with you because you're crazy. And of course, that hurt me to my soul. I'm not gonna lie. 
And I'm I'm gonna be real honest here and say for about 30 to 60 days, I was upset. What do you mean, my child? Now, let me give you some context. Your girl right here is nine years sober. I am a recovering alcoholic. Um, I had trauma when they were little. My oldest child was murdered before she was two. And they grew up under that shadow. Yes. Okay. I'm so sorry. And it took me, I didn't start doing real healing work until she had been gone over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Because no, I had no one who looked like me to help me through it. More importantly, I had no one who looked like me who had been through something as traumatic. Right. And I didn't know how to find them people. Now, for y'all younger folks, this is pre-social media. Um, my daughter was killed in 1986. Um, we didn't even have cell phones for real, for real. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. We, in 1986, it was still a thing that only doctors, attorneys, and politicians had cell phones. And they had their own cases still. 86. You know what I'm saying? Um, folks, regular folks weren't carrying cell phones back then. Um Going through the tra- the traumas that I did, those traumas led to um, alcoholism, um, some other, th- you know, other, tra- but I kept my children with me, right? My boys. And I married and I married an absolutely awesome individual, Bob, what's up? And, um, but, but I was damaged. Yeah. I was damaged. I was raised a Jehovah Witness. Um, what happened to me happened at the age of 20. I was not prepared. My family deserted me because it was all over the news. Um, and I literally, from the time I was 20 years old, really had to deal with my emotions, my circumstances, my thoughts and my feelings all by myself. I had lots of um, public assistance with that, you know, therapists and everything, but they did not look like me. They did yeah. not understand what it was to be a young black woman in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in the mid eighties with no education, no family to speak of. And and again, I come from two huge families, but no family I could reach out to, no one educated enough in those families to be able to help me. And I couldn't go to social service organizations and expect for the the non-melanated woman on the other Mm -hmm. side of the desk to understand my struggles in trying to put my life back together. So I did what a lot of us did in the late 80s, early 90s. I fell apart. Yeah. Um, you know, that trope about the strong black woman, I tell people we wasn't strong, we were medicated. You know, there was alcohol, there was crack, there was weed, there was, uh, back then it was heroin, you know, that was still big. And most of us were medicated on something to deal with our lives. I struggled. My oldest son, the child I kept by my son, I ne- I never let anybody keep my son. You know what I'm saying? I was that mom because I had had trauma and I can't nobody do it better than me. And and he's always been, dude, he was right there. He was always right there. And, and I took him all over the country with me and never, you know, and how dare he not speak to me because he had trauma. 
don't let when you see this video don't think I didn't struggle and I may ended up having to make a series because I explained that I had to come to what the video is about over a course of years yeah right so he told he tells me this and over you know that seven year period he would reach out to me and try because he loved his mama kids that go no contact it's not they don't love you right he loved his mama so he would reach out to me from time to time but the problem was i wasn't hearing him and what my visit by tiktok is about is the process i went through and why when he went no contact this last time i said go for it and it wasn't mean it wasn't a oh i'm done it was a baby you're right i was there and you didn't have a choice so you go and do what you need to do because at the end of the day whether you speak to me or not my legacy is the strong black man that you are and if my presence and being around me makes it so that you can't heal go off onto mm -hmm. the even god told his people go up into a mountain be alone mm-hmm who am I to tell you, you got to be around me because, you know, I feel some kind of way. And I came on the TikTok and I talked about that as, you know, a lot of times we hear our kids say, you know, you did this in my childhood and it hurt me. And we take it as a personal attack as parents. And I get that because I did too, right? And the first thing that I hear in all of these TikTok videos of no contact is I did the best I could. And that's what I address. Yes. First, before we get started, let's get this out there. We all did the best we could. We're nobody saying that you didn't. Okay. Nobody, not even your child is saying that. And you'll hear this in this conversation. Nobody's saying you didn't do the best you could. My argument is the best that you could do was still traumatic for your child. Let me explain. As an organizational psychologist, which is what my little master's degree makes me, mm -hmm. right? As an organizational psychologist, the one thing that we all know, I came to understand as I was trying to, with therapy, work through my own trauma with my own parents, I realized that what they had been saying to me in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I was now rewording, rephrasing, but literally saying the same thing to my five adult children. And what it came down to is just deal with it. I'm your mother. Sorry. Deal mm. with it. Yeah. That didn't sit well with me because as I came to understand the 60s and 70s and the era that my parents grew up with in that cultural mindset, 
of being African-American during the civil rights movement, while Vietnam was going on, getting married to stay out of the war, then having to deal with being married when you really, really, for really didn't want to be married, mm -hmm. um, both sides, and then the child comes, and then you find out this person that you went to church with really wasn't that person, and then she wasn't either, and it, all of that that come with that. As I'm learning about their story in the context of history, I realized that I needed to show them some grace, right? Because they did the best they could. My problem was that they could never vocalize that. They could never vocalize um, the scenarios, the feelings that they, especially my father, because, you know, black men don't cry mm -hmm. and they definitely don't admit that they have any faults, according to my daddy. So um, giving them grace in that therapy, I started looking at. I put myself in my children's shoes and am I saying the same thing? Am I reacting the same way? to my kids as my mom and dad do when we're having a conversation on the phone and I bring up a childhood memory and it just mm. the whole conversation that didn't happen you know you that's not the way I remember it yeah you just you just be making stories up mom I got scars no 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 that's not what happened that's not what happened was I doing the same thing to them because if I was how did it make me feel when my parents did it to me, I always felt, and I still feel, it's dismissive. Oh yeah. It's dismissive because what it says is, what I was doing at that time, even though you were five, six, seven, 15 years old, was my feelings, emotions, and thoughts during that time period was more important than the little bit of life you were experiencing at five, six, 10, 15 years old, when you didn't know any better and didn't have any choice, whatever you were feeling back then, while I was doing the best I can, it doesn't matter. And what I realized was once I'd made that realization, I immediately came to, I'm telling my kids that they don't matter. And I'm telling them that all the time. I'm not saying in their face, you know what? You don't, you didn't matter to me back then. I'm not saying that. But by refusing to mm -hmm. acknowledge their pain, their trauma, their emotions, thoughts, and feelings that happened while I was doing my thing, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent, by refusing to see that nine-year-old Matthew was traumatized by seeing his mom do X, Y, Z, or by living... ABC or you know what I'm saying by refusing mm -hmm. to do that I told him that he wasn't enough that he was not good enough that his memories were faulty that there was something wrong with him that he was wrong and it was an epiphany that changed the way I tried to parent my millennial children because I recognized that in order for us Gen Xers to live up to this edict that we gave ourselves that we're not going to pass dysfunction to our children. The very first thing we have to understand is that parenting is taught too. It's just not taught in a book. 
It's taught by the way you were parented. Added to that is the way that parenting is discussed and communicated when you're older. Because what happens, you keep talking to your parents and they keep knocking your little butt down on what they remember. And it tells you that this style of parenting is what's supposed to be accepted and you're going to accept it now as an adult. And guess what? Now you go forth and you parent your children and you make them accept it too. Well, just tell, just put this function on a sliding scale, baby, and just slide it down to them because there's there's no stopgap there. No. What I'm saying is put the stopgap gap in of empathy. Yeah. For your children, um, your adult children. Now, if you still got children at home who don't have jobs, I'm not, and they over 18 years old and they're not in school, I'm not talking about them children. You're still in early parenting. This is not for you. I'm talking about they got their own kids, their own apartments. They didn't left. They might have came back, but they didn't left. They might got some education. I'm talking about the the 25 and above crowd that now look at you like. You messed me up when I was a kid, mom. Those people. Those people. Yeah. No, but I, I want to add, first of all, thank you for all of that. Everything that you shared was so on point and, and vulnerable, right? This I just did a video talking about vulnerability because at the cornerstone of vulnerability is honesty and healing. And and I I would I would say that what you're saying is not for just parents who have adult children, 25 and older, but what you're saying can teach new parents, right? Because what, what I hear you saying, and you correct me if I'm wrong, what I'm hearing you say is that we have to stay in a space of empathy so that we can feel as much as we can to the best of our ability, what our children are feeling. Because in feeling what they're feeling, we're acknowledging it, and by acknowledging it, we're saying it's real and it matters. And then from there, we help them process and and find a solution to it. And I think that starts at birth, right? I think it even predates birth. It starts with self. If we have the grace for ourselves, the mistakes that we made, um, the things that happened to us and we're not internalizing it as like, it's my fault. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask for help. I didn't. Da, 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 da. If we can offer that to ourselves, we can offer that to our children, right? So like when my daughter comes to me, she's a little baby, you know, she's under 10 and she's still in the single digits. And she comes to me and she's like, I need a Band-Aid because I have this little cut. And I look at it. My inside voice is like, okay, girl, please, please go sit down. But what I'm saying to her is, oh, I'm sorry. That looks like that hurt. Yeah, let me let me help you with the Band-Aid. Because for her, it's real. Whether that is motivated by wanting to get my attention and attached to me, love it, I'll take it. I wanna give you all the things so that you feel wanted, needed, loved, protected, et cetera. And that's what I hear you're saying that you got. I'm hearing you very clearly that you did the work to disrupt generational patterns of harmful behavior, generational trauma, while the space that you're holding, this is this is it, right? Nuanced space. We can acknowledge that our parents did the best. 
our parents also didn't have the resources that we have to today. do better. Bingo. And our parents were harmful and our parents love us. All four of those things exist in the same space. Not just that our parents were harmful. The society our parents were raising us in was harmful. Now, I hate comparison parenting. I'm going to talk about that too. Mm -hmm. But you hear this a lot. Well, in my day, what we did was, and that's what I call comparison parenting and why it's toxic mm -hmm. is because time and technology has not stood still. Now, I'm very much Gen X. I'm at the very top of Gen X. So I sometimes sound like a boomer, but I'll beat you up if you say that to my face. <laughs> so growing up in the 70s as a child, here's what I can remember as a child. I remember seeing the energy crisis. I remember when Jimmy Carter went over there to get the hostages Okay, um, I remember the the riots for Rodney King. You dig what I'm saying? Um, mm -hmm. I remember my aunts having to take their boyfriend's shoes over to their girlfriend's house when they were getting inspections because you couldn't get welfare and have a man living with you. Even if that man was providing for you, you couldn't marry that man because then you would get, you would not get any government assistance and unemployment for black men in the mid seventies was at something like 35, 40%. If you don't believe it, look it up. Wow. I am not the one to come to with the show me facts because Google is in your hand when you put those things in the context right and you start looking at here we we may have had an absent father but the system made it easy for him to be absent for my kids I explained to them that the early 80s were also traumatic Rodney King um uh as more Blacks became educated in this country the pushback the redlining um the the mortgage scams living you know doing everything right and then living through the great recession and of course african americans had more of their stuff uh irretrievably taken from them during the i'm one of them during the great recession than mm. other cultural groups um living through all of that 9 11 trauma first, after trauma after trauma the first time now i i i can talk about you know, the kids who lived through it, but as an adult, as an adult, the fear of not seeing a plane in the sky for the first time in my life. You know, we don't understand yes. that today. We kind of do because we have lived through the pandemic now, but you know, my kids, my kids don't know nothing about that. They don't know nothing about being stuck somewhere downtown Pittsburgh and only having a quarter or only having a dime and the payphone takes a quarter. And yet, I expect or we expect our kids to understand when we when we say I did the best I could, we expect the kids to understand that. They may never understand that. However, as the older person, I believe we should understand what they're going through. I, 100%. I, I don't yeah. have to understand your struggles, but I do need to empathize with what you're going through. I was not an easy mom. I was an alcoholic and I was a disciplinarian. 
that should tell everybody on this panel who fully I painted was. picture fully right. painted picture yes fully painted the picture so for me now i'm a talker and i was not a talker when they were growing up i said do it why are you still standing here um now i'm a talker and more importantly i'm a listener okay Snaps. yes I listen to my, my children run from 30 to 38 and I am so proud to say that I have a great relationship with all of my living children now, but I've worked at it. I still work at it. And trust me, there's times they call or come over and they say things and I get the mommy face to be like, what? Come, come here. <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> you need to talk to, you need school, sit here sit here um i'm not saying that that changed i'm still mom but mom is your safe space as an adult i think let's get to that i think we forget that when our kids get to be adults they still need the parental safe space 100 tough out here for a pen it's tough out here for a player my children come now to me and dump the most egregious things and feel totally fine with it and again my friends say you, know, you just have this great relationship and you have to work at that they have to right. know they have to know that you are still not necessarily the parent that they grew up with, but you're still their safe space where they can come and get nurturing. And anybody who has been alone in their adult life, who couldn't go to their parents with important decisions and situations, anybody who ever said, I wish I could talk to my mom and dad about it. If you turn around and do the same thing to your kids, you have learned not learned your life lesson you are coming back here to repeat it. This, it, we are more educated now than we ever have been in the United States, okay? Than ever before. And even if you don't have advanced education, you have social media and social media is gonna teach you more than your $60,000 worth of college, okay? Bingo. You, you know, you know what your children are going through. My parents had to guess at what I was going through. Why? Because there weren't cameras in the hood. News crews wasn't running to Arlington Heights and out to the hill in Homewood. These are black neighborhoods in mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, y'all. The, the television cameras only showed up when there was a chalk outline. They wasn't coming to find out how we was feeding our kids and how this one's man then beat her up and threw her out a window. And that we wasn't we was talking about it in our communities, but it wasn't a mass thing. We, my position as a Gen X mom and grandmom is this: we have no excuse. Nope. Except our own pride and ignorance as to why we cannot connect with our adult children. You, what I keep hearing is black, especially black mothers will say, they gonna come to me, at, at, at. You sound just like Mr. Charlie. 
Come on over here, boy. I'm talking to you. Hey, gal. Who you talking to? Come over here and tell me what I want to know. We internalize that systemic racism and it shows up in our parenting when you say, you don't want to talk to me? Fine, they can call me. Honey, those are the adults you raised. Listen, my oldest son, the one that the video is about, is so much like me. It ain't, he had, when, as we have been getting back together, he's been saying, mom, I'm so much like you. That's why I can't stand you, mom. So much like <laughs> And he's so much like me. And again, some empathy. I realized that as soon as I don't want to be around you, I will not call. I picked up the phone one time. He said, mom, you know, I don't want to talk to you. Okay. But I called. Yeah. He said, yeah, I, I get it. You called, you called. Okay. My number stayed the same. I have electronic locks on my door. All my kids have their own um, key punch. I kept his the same because mama ain't going nowhere. You know where I live at. Um, And my family with my five children, they know even at their advanced ages, if if my phone ring and I'm in a board meeting, everybody gonna have to wait. What has happened in my relationship with that particular child, Matt, and the other four surrounding this situation is I have become a better parent to my adult children and my adult children now feel that no matter what happens, they are still not alone in the world as an adult. Mm -hmm. And that's more than just, I can always go and live at mama's house because even though mama has a big house, mama charges rent. So ain't nobody trying. Okay. But my sons call me in the middle of the night. My daughter's here three, four times a week. My granddaughter, who's 16, has started coming specifically to have conversations with grandma. Specifically. And she don't stay. She comes, she drop her 10 minutes of goodness, and she roll out in her big platforms. And I'd be like, there she goes. She's mine. And but but they've learned that even if they don't like what I have to say that I'm not going to stop listening after three sentences, that I'm going to thoroughly digest what they said, that I'm going to ask questions to clarify that I understood what they said, and then I'm going to speak to them from where they stand and not from where I've been. First of all, might not even be there anymore. And I mean that physically, emotionally, and in your life journey, where I've been may not even exist for my children, okay? So for my son to come to me and sit down and say, mom, I'm having this this issue at my job, this boss and blah, blah, and blue, blue. And for me to say, well, when I was your age, it does, why am I saying that? When I was your age, we didn't have computerized electronics in the warehouse. So what I try to be intentional. I tell my kids when I don't know as an adult, as a grown-up, as a know-it-all with a master's degree. I don't know, baby. Hold tight though, because this master's degree means mama going to find out. It's elevated my um, taking that step before the TikTok. Changing my mindset around the way I parent 
my adult kids, taking all the things that I did when they were under 18, throwing all that crap out the window because that was based on uh, systemic education that wasn't conducive to the, when I realized that I was using the systems of my oppressors Mm. to further demand respect and oppress my children. Because that's what it is. That's what it is. I'm going to say something. Hello, somebody. Hello, somebody. And you don't want to hear that. And it don't make me feel good as as a parent, especially as a Black parent. But that's what it is. And that just brief description of a normal engagement with your adult son, we see, we see how a different response is so tightly tethered to racism and anti-Blackness and white-bodied supremacy. But we see what vulnerability does, right? in that moment, right? Because it's normal. I think it's a normal reaction to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I love the default that steps in, like, let's take a breath. Stop, let's take a and breath. Let me, let me center this child who's hurting, because that's what that is. They're, that's hurt, right? Let me center his needs, because I lose nothing. That's the thing with parenting that I think we're talking about repeatedly is that we feel like we lose something. And the thing that we're losing in the moment is what we never had from. It's it's not that. It's also not trying to be your child's friend. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with being your child's friend, but my kids know we can be friendly. I'm going to be matriarchal first. And that little crown might drop out of the sky at any time, depending on what come out your mouth. Okay, I'm always mom. But they're adults and adults do not give respect freely. It does have to be earned. And every interaction that I have with my children now, I end up, when I go to journal in the evenings, I end up dissecting those interactions um, to make sure that I showed up off authentically now for the record this don't always work right (laughs) it's all right because we're human sometimes the child comes through the door and nothing i say is going to that's all right Mm -hmm. and i've learned that it's not always my job can i speak a minute please If your adult children, you shielded them for 18 years, as much as you could from the horrors of this country that we live through, the challenges, right? 18 years and then they go out and they start to experience it themselves. If they come back to you as an adult and they still get the same systemic power structure, you're going to do it because I told you to. You're going to listen because you got no choice. That you are telling them that they are not safe even with you. That part. I don't think that we realize because Mm -hmm. we don't realize that we're spouting the same 
tropes. Folks aren't making the connection. They're not making the connection. But you want to end generational trauma in your family? I'm telling you, recognize that you speak words of oppression into your children without even realizing it. But you can stop, look, listen, and change. If you take nothing else, that is it. Hearing those words is not how I move at all. Um, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I literally have tears because I see so many people understanding or moving in a way where they don't recognize that they are living in bondage and they are holding their children hostage because of their unhealed generational trauma. And if I am anything, I am a parent, right? I am all things, but I am a parent's parent. And so... So I invite everyone who's listening to first pick up my book, Get Off Your Ass, Get On Your Feet. It's a, it, it, look, you can read this in the tub. It ain't gonna tax you. I am not Oprah, okay? Um, so get the little book, read it, get your little nuggets, and then pass the book on to everybody you know who is stuck in their lives. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on my podcast. Um, I hope that you invite me back. I would love to come back and discuss, you know, issues in the diaspora with you. I think that you are awesome. I think your show is awesome. And I really, really hope that I was able to make, not to help someone today, because, you know, I, I, if you see me on TikTok, I'm, I'll tell you, I'm not here to teach you nothing, but I am here to make you think. And if you are thinking now about your relationships up and down, then I've done my job here today. Ashe and amen. Yeah.